0: coming in June. Hi, it's Dr. G. And after two plus years and about 140 episodes of hosting the Menopause Movement podcast, I've had a revelation. You know, this podcast is about more than just menopause. We talk about mindset, building wealth, creating habits, discussing life hacks, and so much more. So it's time to move forward from menopause and into being more. As you've probably heard me say many times, menopause is not a medical condition that requires treatment. It's the privilege of a long life and it gives us the opportunity to launch something new. To that end, I wanna help in more ways than just menopause. Welcome to the Launch Your Life with Dr. G Podcast. It's the only mindset podcast that provides weekly actionable insights for lasting happiness and change specifically created for high achieving professionals who are ready to bounce back and prevent burnout. We're still going to have awesome guests. We'll still talk about the menopause things that, that women want to know about, but we're going to focus on mindset Now, why you might be asking. You know, because we live our entire lives in our minds, and the faster and more efficiently we can make it a happy place, the better our lives will be. Life is a series of adventures, and we can launch our next phase and create 1% improvements together. I'm honored to be on this journey with you. And I can't wait to bring you all of the awesome guests for this new podcast. Welcome back to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm Dr. Michelle Gordon and I'm your host. This week, we are going to talk with Mickey Sturgis. And Mickey has a company called the Rise Up Woman. And she says she's primarily on Facebook. She's an expert in the field of resilience and survival from domestic abuse. She has an amazing story and I'm excited to bring her to you. She also has a podcast called the Rise Up Woman Podcast that she's been publishing since May. Now, I think that learning and understanding more about how to handle and get out of and heal from an abusive relationship is so important. And while it may not be directly related to menopause, some of us may still be in relationships like that. And if you are, we're gonna hook up some resources in the show notes for you. So if you're currently in that challenge, you're gonna really enjoy this episode. In this episode, we talk about the cycle of shame, angel syndrome, the cycle of abuse, how we live in a patriarchy and how that affects abuse, and how to break up the cycle. Now, at the end of this episode, make sure you visit the website. That's drmichellegordon.com slash podcasts. Don't forget the S. And you're going to find the show notes and the links that are mentioned with Mickey Sturgis. And also, if you enjoy this episode, make sure you subscribe so you're always the first to know when a new episode is released. I also appreciate your five-star reviews on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for being a part of the menopause movement. Now, here we go. On to Mickey. All right. Well, welcome back to the Menopause Movement Podcast. And today, I'm joined by Mickey Sturgis, and Mickey's a life coach, and we're going to hear all about her. And so let's uh, let's get to it. Hi, Mickey. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So I guess you know the first question I want to ask you is how did you get involved in life coaching? We'll start with that.
1: Okay. So. It could be a little bit longer, <laughs> but what happened was I was doing network marketing and I really enjoyed um, coaching people. As I grew my team, I started you know, coaching small amount of people and I really enjoyed that part of my job. But of course, I had to have my network marketing business going too. And I kept going back to coaching and I've felt like that's what i wanted to do but then on the way of doing that i kept hearing um, messages from god saying you know what it's time for you to do this thing while sharing my story okay i kept denying it (laughs) i kept (sighs) denying no i no that's not me i don't want to do that which i will probably get in a little bit later on but basically I have this um, background in domestic violence. I was in the abusive marriage for 13 years and I didn't want to talk about it. But, you know, it took a long time for, for healing. But it became, a, I came to a point where I am able to share stories without tears, without, I really wanted to help other women. Yet I denied God's voice saying, you need to go to this go to this direction yeah and this beginning of this year god showed up in such a big way i could not deny it anymore and i said okay
0: yes to god okay and well but you've got to tell me the story about how god showed up in such a big way <laughs> that's okay. that you can't just say god showed up and then not uh not talk tell about it right? that's okay i'm sorry well. <laughs> 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 we, we all want to see the supernatural in action Yes. So.
1: So, Mind you, just imagine, I have been hearing this message. You have to share your story in different ways, right? Like some people tell me or uh, the sermon that I listen to, podcast that I listen to, I, this message kept popping up. And I right. here I am, kept denying, right? And the beginning of this year, I attended, um, it's called, events called BBD Live. That was for online business um, event and there was 200 i think it was like close to 300 people there
0: okay so you were at the january bbd live
1: yes i was okay yeah i was there too you were okay yeah that's james woodmore's
0: event yeah yes
1: and i love james Yeah, he's. but anyway so i was there and second day he talked about hot seat how to be on the hot seat and you know we went through exercise and you have to write what if you were to be on hot seat, what you would ask? There's no backstories, nothing like that. So I wrote down, thinking, I'm not, not going to be picked. And then he was, as he said, there's a chair and this person, one person is going to be on this hot, hot seat. And people start raising their hands, right? I want to be on there. I'm, I'm one, I was one of those, no, not me. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, it's time to hide. Well, he said, this person manifested to be on this hot seat this morning and I was like nah I didn't manifest anything and he said he didn't pick those people who raised hand he said there's something under your seat look under your seat if you have a little paper says hot seat that's you well that was
0: me wow I didn't I missed that part I think I was in a meeting maybe you might have been yeah oh yeah that was the morning Uh of the second day I think so it was yeah yeah I missed that
1: so I was, in, I looked at it and go, oh my gosh, do you have it? Do you have this seat? And I was talking to other people, do you have this paper? He goes, no, that's you. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I went on the hot seat and you know what? So it, on my paper, I wrote my hot seat question. I didn't talk about online business. I didn't talk about, I could have written about funnels or whatever, you know, but I wrote, I'm thinking about this. I keep hearing this message. I want to do this, but I'm scared. So that's what I wrote. And that's what I shared on my hot seat. Oh my goodness. I I realized, oh my goodness, this is God's way of shaking me. making wake up. James asked me in the hot seat, during the hot seat, he said, so how long have you been sitting on this idea? And I said, um, I think at least two years. And he goes, how long am I sit there? <laughs> and it just, it really impacted me. And that's, sure. that's when I decided, you know what, I'm going to be all in. Yet within a month or two, I kept still hanging on to that business coaching. I really wanted to like help network marketers go, you know, you know, in the business online. And I heard the voice again. I he said, What what else can you let go? And I knew God was talking to me about letting go of everything else and go all in with this. So that's when I really decided, okay, this is the way I am going. I might not make money right away but it's okay. Yeah. You know, I just keep trusting the, the process.
0: So what's interesting to me is that you had to lean into a fear.
1: Oh yeah,
0: totally. All right. And, and when you leaned into your fear, you had a big breakthrough.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And yeah. part of leaning into your fear was surrendering to whatever the plan was.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, yeah. and, you know, I think, I think that what happens is that, you know, we, we, we hear this phrase, you know, focus on the process and the outcome will take care of itself, but then we don't often see the results, right? Right. So, you know, like if you want to lose a hundred pounds, right, you're not going to lose a hundred pounds overnight. You're going to lose a hundred pounds by, you know, exercising regularly, watching what you eat and drinking a ton more water. Right. And you have to focus on that process or else, you're never, you know, because your behavior is what caused you to gain the 100 pounds. And so your behavior is going to be what's going to cause you to lose the 100 pounds. Same yep. sort of thing, right? So here you are, you're not wanting to share the story, right? Oh, so I was scared, afraid yeah. Afraid to share your story. So mm-hmm. I want to give you an opportunity now to, to tell the story. So let's hear <laughs> okay. the story.
1: Okay, so my story um, was, it really began when I first moved from Japan to, to America. Okay. And at that time I was full of energy. You know, I graduated college from Japan in Japan. I, my, my major was English, (laughs) English literature. So I really loved the language of English and I, I wanted to stay here to learn and really master the English. And that's where I met my ex-husband and you know, my dream, of course, was to be an interpreter, and I wanted to go back to Japan and be a, this famous interpreter, you know, on TV, you, those people who see on TV. Uh-huh. Well, that was my dream. But then I met him, and I started in the wrong direction. I knew he was a little controlling, and, but I made a commitment, and this is one of the things that backfired, my value back, backfired. Because my value was once you marry, you stay with the person no matter what. And I gave, I think I gave it all. So within the 13 years, whole 13 years of marriage, it was very abusive. I didn't even realize it was abusive because I grew up in a country in in Japan and my family was very traditional. My father was not abusive, but he was the authority in my family. So man being an authority and dominant position is not necessarily bad or abnormal you know it was it was normal for me but when he started hitting me and shoving into to the wall me to the wall or pushing me or kicking me then that's when I said is this normal (laughs) but I kept I kept you know God's to God, you can change him if that's your will. And I kept, I just kept staying. One, I was fearful. If I left, what is he going to come after me? Is he going to kill me? I was not sure. But, um, so that 13 years came. At the end of 13 years, what happened was I went on to, I was, I was this. Different person (laughs) in a corporate world. I was, you know, in a management position. I was, I put the facade very confident at a job. But when I went home, I was this little person worth nothing, believed worth nothing, because that's what I was hearing all the time. And so what happened was when I went to took the there was a company trip that I had to take employees to Japan came back he just went off if I had an affair with anybody blah 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 and I I just could not stand the accusation so I said you know what it might be time for us to separate and at that time he was like what are you saying And he didn't do anything so i was like oh wow this is amazing that he's not doing anything but later on he brought a gun and pointed at me and said if you ever make me mad like this again i'll kill you if you ever tell me if you're gonna leave you're gonna leave me i'll kill you so i at that point said you know i cannot ever promise you to not make you mad because it's your choice. You're making a choice to be mad. I can't control that. So why don't you just shoot me now? Wow. And he said, he, he was looking at me like, and he said, he, he said to me, you are crazy. <laughs> I'm like, okay, who's crazy here? You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. But he, he pulled, up, uh, luckily, he came to his senses, I guess, or something, and he put the gun down and looked like walked away just maybe a couple of feet. So I ran to the bathroom, and I shut the door, locked the door, and I started just sobbing. God, I don't know what to do with this. I, I really don't know. And I wasn't even praying to God. I, looking back at it, I was. But I was yeah. like, whoever, just help me. I don't know what to do. And I knew my son at the time, three year old, three olds. He was sleeping in the other room, and I was thinking about him. I didn't know. I, I knew I didn't want him to grow up in that situation. I didn't want him to grow up thinking men could just abuse women like that yeah. and control women. And I was afraid that he's gonna be like that and cycle continue. You know. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want that. And, but I didn't know what to do because he had a gun, you know, the other side of the bathroom. And um, I don't know how long I was in there, but he knocked on the door and he said, I'm sorry. You know, this is a cycle of abuse. You know, it goes go through a cycle. And he said, I'm, I'm sorry. I put the gun away. Just come out. You know, you're okay. I'm not going to do anything to you. So I came out. And at that point, I decided I'm not going to stir anymore. I'm not going to make waves, anything. You know, I just wanted to survive at that point. So that's what I did. I said, okay, I'm sorry I said anything. I will stay with you. And I just, I, but inside of me, of course, I was like, what am I going to do? And luckily, I think that was Sunday, maybe, because I went to work the next day. And I called my pastor Yeah, and I said, pastor, this happened. And he was in shock because even though he was my pastor, my favorite pastor, he was always, you know, I was counseling with him and all my, throughout my my marriage, I went counseling with him, both of us. So he knew about us, but I never, ever shared the abuse part of it. our marriage i never told him that he was hitting me or anything like physically or verbally and he apologized he said i'm so sorry i didn't know this was going on if i knew i could have said something else but you know because because he thought it, this was normal like argument you know the the marriage normal marriage um, argument he was saying you know you need to do this and, you know, this kind of, so he was just giving us the counseling that to a, he would do to a normal marriage because I never shared. Yeah. And
0: well, was in shock. I can't imagine why you would share if you're getting beaten at home uh, in a yeah. public forum, if you're afraid.
1: Oh, I was very afraid. Yeah. yeah. So I never, and also afraid. And also I was, I think, embarrassed. Sure. That, you know, I knew it in the back of my head, this is not normal, yeah. but I was ashamed that I was taking it. Mm. You know, some, I, I shared some of stories with my friends and my friends didn't understand why I would stay. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were like, if you, if it's so bad, why don't you just leave? So they probably didn't believe it was that bad. Maybe, you know, yeah,
0: I, I think, I think that, that this is, this is a common story that we hear over and over and over in the cycle of abuse mm-hmm. um, yep. that, you know, especially in, in marriages and it's a lot more common than anyone wants to admit, you know, I mean, you're not in menopause yet, right?
1: Oh, it's done.
0: <laughs> oh, you're done with menopause? It's done. <laughs> oh, you're <he's really> young. <laughs>
1: oh, thank you. Thank okay. you. Okay. But, great. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, I went through it like I think four years ago.
0: Okay. Four years ago. Yeah. All right. And you're not <laughs> still suffering from the symptoms at all?
1: Not really. So no, that's, that's I'm interesting.
0: I'm lucky because I've yeah I've interviewed several women who like still have symptoms twenty years later. So. Oh
1: really? Oh yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's
0: common. It can happen. So all right. So good. <laughs> I thought I actually thought you were younger. How old is your son now?
1: My son is twenty three. Twenty-three. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, and I'm glad that he didn't really take on. But the other side of that is that he became enabler. He he became not enabler. uh, He became one of those who don't want to rock the boat. He wants to be. He is almost like a peacemaker. He doesn't get mad, and so sometimes I worry, you know, that he suppresses his feelings.
0: Yeah, you know it's hard with our children. We we have to let them go. Yeah, we have to let them. Oh, go make, it's hard. <laughs> make, make their own mistakes, and we can yeah. see them making the mistakes, and we have to let them go. And oh, I yeah. often wonder, you know, in all the mistakes I made as a young adult, even up until the time my father passed, I I, I always wonder if, you know, he knew he couldn't say anything to me. I'd never listen to him, <laughs> you know. And so yeah. it's it's interesting because now he's gone and I miss him, but mm-hmm. um you know, it, 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 we have to, we have to let our children make their own mistakes. And, yeah. and at some point, you know, that's just really important to let them go and let oh, them man. be who they It's are. hard. It, it really is. It really is. <laughs> I know? mean, this, this is part of, you know, I mean, the changes of menopause too, right? I mean, our kids grow up and then they're, they're out of the house and we're not really sure what to do. And then, you know, on the converse of that, if we've been in an abusive marriage and our kids are gone, the abuse can escalate once the kids leave because there's no oh, buffer possible. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so I wanted to uh, talk a bit about, and, and, and I want you to finish your story, but I wanted to ask you a little bit about how the fear of leaving affects women uh, in an abusive marriage and why it's not easy to leave.
1: Oh yeah. Well, like I was saying, even when you have a this powerful side to you um, because of the abuse, because of the verbal put down and things that kept repeated, it, it becomes a belief. If you keep hearing this over and over and over, and you start to think, huh, maybe I am stupid. Oh, maybe I am worthless. Oh, maybe I am. Then it starts to believe that so even if you leave your my case i left i still suffered the consequence of low self- self-esteem um i would go to certain i can you know we can all push to a certain degree right yeah. your will can just push but somewhere along the way you your subconscious start talking no, who you, do you think you are? You, you can't do this. You, no, you can't do that. And then all of a sudden, you hit the ceiling. And ceiling might be this high, yet because of your belief, because of what happened, totally your brain is rewired to believe this is it. Yeah. This, you can't go any higher.
0: I talk a lot in my program about beliefs. We do mm-hmm. that. Uh, we go yeah. through beliefs a lot. And we talk about how a belief is a thought that you think over and over, right? Yeah, yeah. And a, a thought is just a sentence in your head, and a belief is a sentence you say over and over. over and over. and yes. one of the things that, that is so transformative in my program is I, I show them how it's possible to change mm-hmm. the beliefs. And when that happens, oh, yeah. there's light bulbs. There's light bulbs yes. everywhere. Because it's so, like, so oh this belief isn't serving me then oh you mean i can just change it
1: <laughs> no. it's, it's
0: it's really it's, i mean it's it's so transformative and so yeah creative. and
1: liberating
0: yeah yes yeah i
1: didn't realize that that's why it took a long time even though i was a personal development junkie you know because I was in sales and I would listen to Brian Tracy and all these things in cassettes you know you you remember a cassette right yeah so I would put the cassette in the in the car and I would listen all the time Anthony Robbins and so it was like one of these but it was the will power it that doesn't really work until to a point and I didn't realize until I really start to learn about abuse, psycho abuse and all these things, I didn't realize my brain was completely rewired during that 13 years of marriage. From yeah. the beginning, you know, what you wear is horrible. You need to be like an American. You need, you need to ditch all your Japanese clothes and rebuy all these things. And I, yes, he used to tell me, he would t- take me to the mall and say, this is something that my sister would wear. So why don't you buy that? And I had to like, think about how his sister would dress. And then I have, I had to buy those things, even though I didn't think it was for me, Um, you know, things like that. And then over and over, if you're told, you know, just, just, just because you're making money, that doesn't mean that you're worth anything. You're nothing without me. And, I kept to believe in it. So you're right. I, you know, nobody would take me. Nobody, nobody would love me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: so all of a sudden at the end of 13 years, I was like, okay, who am
0: I? <laughs> okay. So <laughs> you, you know? had a crisis of identity.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. I did. So I, did. I wanted
0: to, what you, so you were in sales in your corporate job. Is that what you did?
1: Well, I did a lot of things, but at the, the last job was, I was in HR. I was a HR director. But yeah, it's not before a fun that- job. <laughs> oh, I loved it. <laughs> did you really? Yes, I
0: did. <laughs> uh, I me. actually I- loved
1: mm-hmm. those things and legal things. And
0: I was Oh yeah, no. Okay. HR, man, that's my nemesis. <laughs> um so yeah. I wanted to talk a bit about um before you get to how you actually left, I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about um if we could just go through the the phases of the cycle of shame. Mm-hmm. So do you have like phases that, that, that oh, you yes. can delineate? So, so that's, I think that would be really helpful for the listeners because if there's anyone mm-hmm. who's listening, who is in a relationship like this and wants to leave, we're going to make sure that we hook up some resources in the show notes. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I'd like from you um, is, you know, resources for domestic abuse and sure. numbers that people can call and that sort of thing. And we'll put those in the show notes so that anyone who's who's in this, in a relationship that, um, you know, really would be safer if they left, uh, but is afraid, you know, Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about all of these things because it's a lot more common than, than a lot of us would, would admit. And, you know, while while we don't, we don't want anyone to put their lives in danger. We also want you to be safe. And uh, we want you also to, if you're in something abusive to have the courage to leave uh, because you're worth it.
1: Oh, totally. Totally. And, you know, nobody really Nobody deserves to be beaten or hit or or belittled, yeah. even just verbally. Yeah. And um, I didn't realize, I thought that abuse was just physical, but it's more than that. You know, emotional abuse and verbal, those things affects a lot more. It cuts you through to your core, yeah. you know, who yes. you are.
0: And especially if, especially if you've suffered abuse as a child, uh, in any form, even if it's, you know, your parent mm -hmm. saying, saying things, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, we all, we all suffer some sort of trauma as children. That's part of growing up. I mean, uh, and that's how we form our identity. But, um, in terms of, you know, abusive childhood that, that can, you know, whatever happens in our childhood, we can attract similar people. No. Um, or we can repel similar people. And it just depends mm-hmm. on our own self-esteem. So let's get to the cycle of shame. So let's talk yeah. about
1: that. So the cycle is first, when you first meet, like when, in my case, you know, I met him and he was this like really a macho and I was just really attracted to that. You know, he, he knew, he, he was like street smart where I was very naive. I was I grew up in a very warm, almost like sheltered, Household, you know, and I came here and I met this guy and I say, oh my goodness, I thought he would just be able to protect me all the time, you know. So I was really attracted to that macho ness, and so everything went was fine. But something happens, like something that triggers him or whatever. So it goes into this cycle of okay, he hits you, or you know, something happens, it triggers, and then he gets really mad. And boom, maybe physical, you know, something happens, right? And then he he goes through remorse. He was, I don't call it a, it's a true remorse, but he he will say, oh, I'm so sorry. It would this will never happen again. I'm so sorry. And you believe it. So I believed. Okay. Well, he said he's going to change. He's not going to do this again. So okay, I'll give you a chance. And it will go through like a sort of like honeymoon stage. Oh, that's great. He might bring you flowers. He might buy you cake. He might take you out to dinner. You know, he would just do all these loving things. We call it a honeymoon stage. And then everything seems to be going well. And but again, something triggers and then boom, once again, this happens. And then he apologizes again, honeymoon stage comes and then starts again. The cycle goes on and on it could be in my case it was sort of like almost like an everyday occurrence and then it became once a week like weekends I hated weekends because we had to I you know during the week we go to work and it's just so busy and but weekends we're together so something happens at least once a week I will be hit or just be little I pretty pretty much he like pushed me against the wall or whatever, something happens, right? And then he apologizes. And I said, okay, I will, I'll trust you. I will, you know, let, give you a chance. Over and over and over. Pretty soon, your self-esteem, everything is shattered, it's the bottom. And you
0: don't even realize it. Yeah. yeah. Did so you, did you grow moment. up with any sort of, what was your religion growing up?
1: My religion, I would, be, I believe it's Shintoism.
0: Okay. Um,
1: but um, my my grandma was very devout Buddhist.
0: Buddhist. Okay.
1: Yeah. And so, did
0: you did you learn how to meditate as a child?
1: No, we. I never learned that. Okay. We don't do. We didn't do any of that. Um, even though, mm-hmm. like my grandma would chant like every morning, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that. So she had her thing. chanting
0: meditation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you never learned how to separate yourself from other people to go inside and. No,
1: no, I never right. learned that. And have you? You've, have you learned that since? Well, mm-hmm. it's not that sense of you know like a Buddhism or anything like that. But uh, yes, I do. I. Mm, I wouldn't say inner self. I will always have a connection with God. My faith in God. I'm a Christian, and yeah. I I do do a lot of um, talk with God. You yeah, know, yeah, prayers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I do that a lot, and I journal.
0: Yeah, That's sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, when I was when I was really into Christianity, I, I'm not so Christian anymore, but I, mean, <laughs> I believe in Christ, but. Uh, there was there were times when I would do a lot of journaling and mm-hmm. and um, and the journaling I, I was able to see uh, God would come through.
1: Oh um, yeah,
0: you know God would come through. But mm-hmm. I've I've more recently been doing a lot more studying in the mind and yeah. um, and self realization, which is uh, through meditation. That's mm-hmm. that's the way you can find God and 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 oh, it totally. really. And in reality, I mean, it's 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 like how Joe Dispenza talks about it is it's crossing the river, and mm-hmm. once you cross the river, you enter into the subconscious. Or Yogananda calls it, you know, the way you can get to the astral plane through um, through the third eye, hmm. whatever it is. The the bottom line is, I think we all end up in the same place. We end mm-hmm. up in the subconscious, right? And oh, that's and, that's and that's in that's, yeah. order for us to rewire all of those old beliefs. We have to get to the subconscious.
1: Oh, totally. I'm learning that too. Yeah. And um it's amazing how your subconscious really drives you in a different ways. And like I was sharing before um growing up, my father was the authority figure. Yeah. Um and he you know, I I I don't even remember he wasn't abusive in my eyes, um, but he abused alcohol. And my, fa- my mom hated that. He would, I could just tell that she was just not taking it <laughs> well. And um, I remember, she, you know, she, he would just drink and drink, and then he would throw up, and he, she had to clean up, and, you know, and then she was just really... Complaining, you know, if you didn't drink this much, you know, you wouldn't. I didn't have to clean this up, mess up, and and I hated seeing that. Yeah, that's that's probably one of the reasons why I developed aversion. I cannot drink, and of course, it's my you know choice to not drink anymore. I I I did drink before when I was in college, but (laughs) when I was in college. I was having hives after right. I drank I drank.
0: Oh, probably because of your experience with your father, your subconscious yeah. was coming back and saying, this is poison. Don't do this.
1: Yes, probably. I would yeah. just
0: like laugh and go, oh my gosh, it's cold.
1: I'm getting all these hives, you know, and uh, I thought it was something that I ate, but it happened every time I drank. So I decided, okay, this must be alcohol. That's, you know, doing this to me. Yeah. And but it's the mind is so powerful, right? So if once you believe alcohol is causing me hives, I just lost totally lost my interest in anything like that. Sure. So I don't drink at all. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I understand. I totally understand that. Yeah. So <clears throat> so tell me, let's hear the story of how you were able to leave your husband.
1: Well, I, I'm so blessed to know that pastor. I, I think that the pastor, having a resource like that, having resources is very important. Before that, I, I didn't realize I had the resources, but I, I didn't, because I was so ashamed, I didn't want to go to him. Right. Mm -hmm. But I came to a point where it's either I'm going to be killed and my boy is going to live without the mother or I do something about it and live a better life. Yeah. And I had to make that choice. And I just did not want my son to live like that. And I I had to, like, I was thinking, I have to break this cycle. I cannot continue because I knew he, my ex-husband, was abused also. And so that cycle was going on with that family. Yeah. Right? And I didn't want my son to continue with that. And also, of course, you know, I think that was my first thing that came to my mind. I did not want my son. As, you know, I do have a podcast also. And um, as I interview some women who have gone through this, many of them say, "I thought about my son. I thought about uh, my daughter."
0: What's the name of your podcast? <clears throat> the Rise Up Woman Podcast. The Rise Up Woman. Okay. Yeah.
1: And um, so I I was thinking, mm-hmm. you know what? This little human being has big <laughs> power on moms. You know, even though. When I was alone, I didn't have courage to leave. But this little human that I was caring for, and she, he needed me. He needed mom, he, you know? Yeah. So I said, I, I just have to do it for him. So that was a big courage, something beside myself, you know, beyond myself. Yeah. He needed me. And that was the biggest reason, I think, more so than me. Because I was ready to be shot. (laughs) I was like, go ahead and shoot me. I can't live like this. Right. But then when I came to census, I was like, you know what? He needs me. I need to be well. And that was a big, big moment.
0: Well, you also had somebody who believed you. And I think one of the things that happens is that especially in America, because we live in a patriarchy, you know, we, and, and it isn't just America, right? It's like Mm. the whole world is pretty much a patriarchy. I mean, think about the number of female leaders in the world, right? Yeah. We've had, we had uh, Golda Meir. We had um, Margaret Thatcher.
1: Yeah, Thatcher. Mm-hmm.
0: We had Indira Gandhi. Yeah. Right. And we had the woman in Pakistan and I can't remember her name. And, uh, and, and there was a big controversy about her being. Oh yeah, church. totally. Um, and then there's a woman in Myanmar, uh, but it's, um, that's Myanmar is very controversial right now with what they're doing on the borders mm-hmm. with the Rohingya, but but if you, th- you that's that's one hand, the female Hello. leaders. I mean, we yeah. Ethiopia just got a female president, um, and and I'll, I'll admittedly <clears throat> for anyone who's listening who's a big uh, geography and history buff, I I actually these are things I just know out of my own knowledge, and I may have missed very a lot of them, so um, don't don't hold me to it. But what I'm talking about is that, um, you know, we live, we live in a patriarchy and in order for us to be believed. Okay. So I was sexually abused as a child. And, um, when I finally, like I had a whole time that I didn't remember. And then, and at age 15, I just like, I had an aha, something woke up inside me and I realized it. And when I told people, no one believed me. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Right. And so, the fact that you had the support of somebody in the 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 clergy especially like a christian pastor is it's actually i'm actually surprised to tell you the truth because Mm. it's very common uh that that the christians especially will tell women to subject themselves to their husband no matter what yeah and um and if you're in a position like that uh that's wrong
1: it's hopeless. It's yeah. If something like yeah. that. Yeah. And I was lucky. Yeah.
0: And so, you know, just, just because, um, you know, that's because some, that's something that Paul said, Paul was a man. Remember the Bible was written by men. It wasn't <laughs> yes. written by God. It was written by men, men mm-hmm. put words on paper and said it was sacred. So, you know, we, we it's only sacred because we think it is, it's nothing. It's a, it's another belief, right? And so the words of Paul are not, he was just a guy and he was a guy who hated women. I mean, when you look (laughs) at what he wrote and how women have to keep their heads covered and women have to be silent in the church and women have to do this and women have to do that. um, There's this really great book that I talk about a lot. It's called the alphabet Mm -hmm. versus the goddess. Mm -hmm. And it is probably the best religious history book I've ever read. And it's all about how before written language, all the gods were female because life Mm -hmm. comes from woman. Mm. and then as written language became more and more prevalent and we started using the other side of the brain the female gods got murdered by the male gods it's it's a fascinating read i recommend that everyone read it Mm. great great book on the patriarchy written by a man actually a surgeon but the so so the point i was trying to make is that you had support Mm -hmm. and you had support from somebody in the church which is very surprising especially Mm -hmm. uh, you know a male pastor
1: Well, I, you know, I trusted him too. And because I was at that church for a long, long time. And, um, he, yeah, he was very supportive and he of course believed what happened. And, um, he gave me a lot of resources, his brother just so happened to be assistant DA. (laughs) Oh wow! The police department. So he um, he gave me a lot of resources, and I contacted each one of the, you know. Well, he gave me a resource to contact. I think one of the police department, and then he they gave me a domestic violence shelter number. So that was just really good, and I just I just believe that it was a plan. It was there, and at that point, I just you know this is what I didn't share is that after I decided not walk the boat. I planned, this was like a plan because mm-hmm. I knew he, um, my ex-husband was going on a business trip. I knew that was coming like in two weeks or something like that. I don't remember that, not that, that time, but I knew that was coming. He was going to Taiwan with, with a business trip. And he, uh, so I said, you know what? I have this plan, <laughs> you know, was like in my head. I was like, I had all this plan. Until then, I just have to stay calm. I don't rock the boat. I don't want to do anything to make him mad, right? Yeah. So I was like walking on the eggshell. But I knew. So that the, when I contacted the domestic violence shelter, they said, Well, I later found out that's how they do like protocol. What they do is they say, Well, we don't have a room for you at this moment. And it's sort of like it's the way to filter those people who just want to come in to stay, you know, overnight or whatever. Like some, some people do that, take, take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. And So I, I contact, so I said, this is my plan. You know, I said, my husband is going on business trip, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, she goes, okay, then call me back and see if we have a room by the time when you're ready to go. So I said, okay. So I contacted, I think it was like two days before or, or something like that before she, he left. I said, I'm ready. I, he's actually leaving that day. He said, okay, call me that morning. So I did and boom, everything that, that day I just put everything, you know, whatever. I thought I was, I was just going to be there one week. So I took one week of my my clothes my boys clothes and I took my blankets and all this stuff in in the van and I had to go to a police department and then and the police escorted us to the to the shelter but I was I was shaking as I packed my stuff I was just shaking what if he comes back right now what what, what's gonna happen I was like in a hurry you know yeah I was I was so afraid but, after I was in the shelter, that was a, a, that's a whole another story because I was told not to listen to my voicemail, but he, I listened to them, and you know because I had a, access to my voicemail for work he he was leaving tons and tons of messages, just crying and lying about my dog, and it was just crazy
0: and so I, it, so, I mean I think that brings back the point that abusers, uh, probably most of them are narcissists and, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and they're going to pull out all the stops. Oh, you leave them. True. And it's, they're master manipulators.
1: Totally. He said, we have three Cocker Spaniels and I love them. You know, they're just good dogs. And he said, he left a message saying, you know, Sarah was that one of the dog and he, she died you know, you need to come home. Like, I miss her and all these things. So i was like, oh my gosh, I was crying. I was like, oh my gosh, she died, you know. Oh. Then I went to pick up some of my stuff. One day, she was there. <laughs> I was like, what? You said, you know, I was like, yeah. oh my gosh. She, he lied about it. And later on, I, I, I had a time to talk to him. He, I said, you said Sarah died. Well, I had to say something so that you could come home. I'm like, no. Uh, wow. It was a, it, yeah. He, he did that, and there's several times I, by seeing my son, he was missing his papa, and I could just he his shoulder was just shaking with crying, and even then I said, you know what, I should go back. And so I was so blessed to have been in the shelter because all the people in the shelter, don't you, don't you go back. <laughs> you know? And then he, they shared. one of the ladies shared, counselors shared a story. She said, you remind me of this lady. Well, she was Korean lady she said because I'm an Asian right so she probably I reminded her
0: I'm of sorry her. that's sounds a little racist
1: <laughs> no she probably that's probably why she you know because because I'm Asian she probably said well I you remind me of this person and this person was Korean and she said she went back like you she was you know she said I'm gonna go back and she did go back She came back three times to the shelter and she never came back. Do you know why? He killed her. Yeah. Yeah. So she said, please, if you want to go back, it's up to you. But don't just think about that. How long have you been in this situation? How many times did he apologize? How many times do you have to go through this? Even for your child. You know, your child doesn't know. Maybe that's why he misses him. But think about how he is going to grow up. And I had to really let those sink in. And I never forgot that story. I didn't want to be like that. There were women who were coming in and out, coming in and out two or three times. And either they leave finally or they get killed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true, and and yeah. it's it's not uncommon. I mean, I don't I don't have the statistics here, but you know, it's it's not uncommon that that a no. woman will be killed by by an abusive spouse or a domestic yeah. partner. It's um, just
1: heartbreaking. It is. Yeah. So that's why no wonder you know I I don't think it's everybody's duty to share their stories. There are some people who just don't want to. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like. This was one of my calling. I just yeah. felt like I had to do that.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the questions I have for you, um, and this is something I hear quite a bit when I talk to women who've been abused is that it, they, 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 they internalize it, say it's my fault mm-hmm. and I'm a failure. Yeah. And I did, did that. You, yeah. I did
1: that a lot because, yeah. you know, that's what he said. He said, if you just didn't make me mad, I wouldn't do this. Right. i would be a nice
0: person. And that's so that that's so like nobody is nobody can make anybody else anything.
1: Right. You and but I, so for just, some reason, just,
0: I just want to clarify that for the for the audience who's listening. Yes. Is that you are not responsible for anyone else's feelings. No. Nope. And if someone right. else says that you're making them feel a certain way, that is not on you. That exactly. is about them. Right. So you can't make somebody feel something. Somebody makes a choice. They there's a data comes in. Mm-hmm. They make a choice and they react a certain yep. way, and yep. that is their choice. That's about them. It's not about you. And so oh, never take that as a personal thing.
1: I wanted to share one thing. Sure. Um, this is also a syndrome. <laughs> it's called syn- angel syndrome. What's it called? And angel uh, angel syndrome.
0: Angel syndrome. Uh, okay. Yeah.
1: Well, what it is, is that I was sent by God to change this person, you know, to save this person, right? And mm-hmm. I felt that. I felt like maybe God sent me to this his life so that he could be better. He could, you know, it's like, who am I? No, <laughs> it's not my responsibility to change him. But that's how I felt. Right. You know, I felt right. like, okay, well, I was, I grew up in a totally different situation than he did. He, he was kicked out of the house. He, you know, he was, um, he had an ADHD at that. Our age group, you know, th- there was no diagnosed ADHD, right? So there was maybe some kids maybe um, just told you are too hyper or too this. And oh, yeah. you have this, this dyslexia and all these things. And he was um, one of those wild Boys, I guess, and he was kicked out of the house, and he grew up in a Hispanic um, culture, where male do- was dominant, but like they- everywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And um, so he shared with me that he had a rough childhood, and I felt really bad for him, because I didn't grow up. I was in a warm environment two loving parents I went to a a private school and you know I was I did what I wanted to do to study English and you know I, I had a normal childhood so um I felt really bad for him I was like wow you had a tough time you know so I I was giving I'm trying to give him understanding understanding of okay where he's coming from and maybe I'm here to support encourage and uplift him, you know, by me being beaten and take, you know, being blamed for, for his actions. And I took it.
0: Yeah. I took and abusers, it. abusers are often raised in an abusive home where that's how mm-hmm. they, they see women treated. Yeah. And that's so, the way that women are supposed to be treated. And so they don't yeah. know anything different. And they don't challenge yeah. that belief. And so again, no, they don't. if a belief, you know, if, 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 if a thought is a sentence in your mind, a belief is a sentence you say over and over again, mm-hmm. and that is women have to subjugate themselves to men and it's okay for men to hit women. And that's a belief that some boys oh, yeah. grow up with and, yeah. and that's, you know, unfortunate, but that's the truth.
1: Yeah. It, so, so that's the reason why I didn't want my child, my boy to grow up in that.
0: Yeah. So what's life for you like now? You're on the other side of it. You've been out of this I'm, marriage for several years now. You you made yeah. it out of the shelter and mm-hmm. you know, you've started this new business where you're helping women kind of yeah. rise up, right? Yes. So let's, yes. let's get to the happiness.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. The good part. Yeah. Well, you know, it took a while, but I I I met my current husband and you know, after a while, and I, I have two boys with him. And, you know, marriage is a journey there is is you know not all all rosy right we still go through some tough times we 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 have difficult times too but the difference is that we can say whatever we want in a of course nice manner right and arguments happen even between friends you know Always happens. Yeah. But the difference is there's no physical fight. There's no um, unsafeness, you know, that I don't have to worry about. Well, is he going to belittle me? Is he going to hit me? You know, I don't have to worry about that.
0: Yeah. I, I think in marriage, um, it, how how to uh, approach a, a relationship as an adult, especially like a, yeah. a marriage contract, you know, or a love relationship, is that. You have to expect that that Mm -hmm. person, because we're not perfect. That person is not perfect. Yeah, they're going to do things that hurt you,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and you're going to do things that hurt them. Yes. And the the healthy adult will work through those things. Yes. Talk about it. This is how it made me feel. This is what I think. Why did Why did this happen? Mm -hmm. And and then you come to some sort of an agreement.
1: Yes. That is. That's it. Healthy. Yeah, that's yeah. healthy. And yeah. I didn't I didn't know that. You yeah. know, I was like this is the healthy relationship. You know, sometimes I was like is this about healthy <laughs> you know but yeah. at the end of the day that's how I feel. And it's so important to have same value. And the value system that we have, you know, I just wanted to make sure that we did we did that before Um, we got married. Yeah. And that was so important. And I didn't even think about value in, in the past, you know, it's like, Whoa, well, I think, I think the value system is,
0: I think, I think it's very common for us to kind of fall in lust with someone and think that that's love. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of sexual chemistry and Mm -hmm. we, then we try to work around that instead of coming from a place of friendship common values and then, you know, something that blossoms into something sexual and <clears throat> it's um, and, and I think most marriages are really based on, you know, something that started out as a, you know, they fell in lust. And so then there was a yeah. baby or there was, you know, whatever. And they tried to make it work. And, yeah. um and, and the other thing that happens is sometimes you just outgrow the other person and it's just time to move on. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I, I mean, Look, I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, marriage is a contract.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, you know, in the, in the, in the strictest sense of the word, it's a contract between two people that, that if you yeah. decide to divorce, you have to break it up, you know, you yeah. break the contract. And um, that's, you know, you either work it out or you don't.
1: Yeah, I read this book works. a few
0: years ago um, that was recommended by Hal Elrod of all people. Mm. And it's called how to to be an adult in relationships. And, um, that's a book I was doing miracle morning and I read that book 20 minutes a day. It was really tough book. It was hard to get through, but, um, I do recommend that everyone read it because Mm -hmm. how to be an adult in relationships by David Richo. And it's, um, we'll make sure we hook that up in the show notes as well. It's a difficult book and he's a psychologist, so it's kind of academic, but, but it was a great book for, um, for me to see that, to help realize that I'm, I'm the one in charge of my own reactions. Mm-hmm. You know, no one else can, can make me react. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. You're so right. what I <laughs> want to
0: hear from you now is tell me about uh, rise up woman.
1: Yeah. Um, can I say this before we sure. move on? I left out a very important part. It could be controversial. But I know you, (laughs) so I know. So we can talk about this, right? The controversial things. So what happened was it just, remind me, you just said, when you go into a relationship, there may be, you know, it usually starts out out something sexual and, you know, maybe because of the baby or whatever. So that's what happened with me. So what happened was I got just I was like, wow, you know, attracted to him. Right. And I got pregnant and I was so afraid. I was young. I was 21. And in my country, it was, it's sort of like, well, if you are not married and you have a child, that's not very good. Right. Right. And, um, so I, even though he was actually happy, hey, well, he wanted to have a baby. And I was happy, but I was afraid at the same time. And I made a choice to abort. Mm-hmm. And so I am an abortion. Without telling him, he was so upset that even though I told him, I lied to him saying, I had a miscarriage, I'm sorry. He didn't believe me. He said, you went out and got an abortion, didn't you? And kicked the hell out of me. He and That, kicked was, that me was before you got married? Yeah. This was before I got married.
0: Wow.
1: And, um, and he, I, I was bruised all over. I could not go back to school for at least a week. I was bleeding, right, because of the abortion. And, but he did that to me, and I blamed myself. Yeah. I said, I did this horrible, horrible thing. I still, it's, I still hurt to think about it, you know, but I did make that choice.
0: Yeah. And I, I know I'm gonna it's a say that, that thing, you know, to, to, there, there's a, there's a parable that I like to tell my audience, It's mm-hmm. the parable of the second arrow.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So the Buddha is sitting, the Buddha is sitting and one of his, Devotees comes up to him and says, Lord, why do I hurt right here? Um, And he says, well, there's an arrow there. He's like, oh, okay. And he said, but you've got an arrow there. If I Mm -hmm. were to shoot you with another arrow in that same place, would it hurt? And he says, well, yeah, it hurt more. Why do Mm -hmm. you shoot yourself with second and third arrows?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So a thing is a thing. Okay. You made a choice in the moment. As a Mm -hmm. child, as a young, young adult, Mm -hmm. you weren't ready to have a child. Yeah. That's fine. It's a thing. But if you continue to go back and be sad about it, you're just continuing to shoot more arrows at yourself. Yeah. You're right. Right. So that's
1: why, that's the reason why I decided to share.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that.
1: I didn't, I couldn't, couldn't share that story because I was so ashamed. Yeah. And I was so hurt and I couldn't share. I tell you, this was what? How many years ago is that? That's like 30 some years ago now, uh-huh. right? Yet I could not share until I started this podcast, right? In May. Uh-huh. I shared that like two, second or third episode. And I realized how much I, when you talk about arrows, Man, I don't know how many arrows I had right. in my heart because of that.
0: Right. And, and the, thing, yeah. the thing we have to do is there's, there's something else I teach in my, in my course, and it's good thing, bad thing, who knows? It's a thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It doesn't it, – who knows? Yeah. It's just a thing. And so that's part of detaching from outcome, right? And at yeah. the end of the day, we can't yeah. go back – and change the the, we the past. We can't, no. right? And so, I came to a realization in the last year that everything, everything I've done, all the bad choices, the good choices, the regrets, mm-hmm. the disappointments, everything has led me to this, to where I am now. Yeah, where I can become who I'm supposed to become. Yes, put the message out that I'm supposed to put out.
1: Amen to that, right? And yes. so the same
0: thing. Yes um, free yourself of that regret because it's not yeah. helping you. It's just dragging you down.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: And that's probably the, the most help I can give you, you know, in this yeah. short time. Yes, but, thank but you. every time you start to feel that shame, when you remember that there's, there's, you know, there's a whole thing about opening your heart center and mm-hmm. allowing, I mean, and for you, I'll, I'll just talk about it as, as Christ allow, the forgiveness of Christ into Mm -hmm. your heart because he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Yeah. He didn't ever said anything about abortion. He doesn't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) He loves us no matter what. He said nothing Mm -hmm. about the gays. He said nothing about abortion. He said nothing about any of that stuff. This is all men's thoughts, putting control on women. Oh yeah. Mm It's our body. We choose. You made a choice. That was your choice. It was okay. I'm giving, I'm telling you it was okay. I'm giving you permission. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Right. It just it just came to me because, you know, I I I that's one of the parts it's very important to share this because the, even though I felt it was horrible thing, I had to pay pay back to him. So I, I felt at that moment it was duty, my duty to stay with him no matter what. Well, everyone, please listen. You yeah. don't owe anything
0: to anyone. That's right. That's right. You don't so, owe yeah. to anyone. you it's so you owe important to yourself. To know. Yes. You know, we're on. We're here. You know. I think. I think we're put here to discover our, a spiritual path. That's what I truly believe. Mm-hmm. That we come from spirit, we return to spirit, and yeah. we're in a sack of skin so that we can learn to be spirit. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I truly believe. So let's talk
1: to to grace. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe I'm not,
0: you know, because, because that's a religious dogma and I don't think we need religion to find God,
1: right? No, you don't. But what I'm saying is you have to give yourself a permission to be graceful, you know, and grateful for what you have. But, um, you going back to the rise up woman. So, um, so the rise up woman is, it just came to me and say, rise up everyone. You know, no matter what happens in the past, you still have a choice to rise up from the occasion, you know, all the, all the bad stuff that you've done, or it's happening, you can still rise up to be the person that you're meant to be a better version of yourself, you know? So that's the reason why. And, uh, I came up with that. And, And of course, because of my, you know, background, um, what happened to me, I was thinking, well, these people who have gone through abuse or trauma like that really lose themselves. And there are, like on the Facebook, there are places where domestic abuse is talked about, um, but all I see is, "Oh, this is happening to me. oh, that's happening to me. Uh, help me." Uh, you know, no, I, I didn't want to, to go that route. I wanted to go to the, the route where, hey, you know what? that happened. Yeah, you, we can talk about it. But don't stay there.
0: Exactly. Well, you know, it becomes your superpower, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, we can either be a victim or we can rise up. Yeah.
1: Yes. So that's where I want. That's why I don't really talk about. So what happened to you? You know, I don't do that in my group. I would just say, yeah, if you want to share, go ahead and share. This is a safe place to share. And we'll pray for you. But don't stay there.
0: Don't you know say that's that. that's so interesting because in my in my Facebook group as well, when p- women come on and just start complaining, I tell mm-hmm. them to stop. I said that this is not about a complaining. You know, menopause mm-hmm. suffering is optional in menopause, and I think suffering is optional all throughout life, actually. Yeah. And you know, while we may have bouts where we're we're down and things mm-hmm. are hard, we can choose to suffer or we can still have a great day. Yes. You know, it's a and choice. it's all dependent on our vibration, and we mm-hmm. can choose to raise our vibration just by choosing. Mm-hmm. Joy, yes. Using gratitude, yes. yes. You know? and that's yeah. that's where we are. so yeah, that's, any, that's the uh, reason there. Mm-hmm. Any last thoughts for the uh, for the ladies and and ladies and gentlemen listening? Any last uh, parting thoughts?
1: Well, you know, the, the parting thought. We talked uh, talked a lot about women. Yeah. And I totally believe that we have we have right to be who you are. Yeah. Right. And also, what I would like to not leave out is men who might have been an abuser. you know, the, uh, a lot of people who might want to get out of that, but they don't know. They're, they don't know how what to do. Their anger or resentment, all these things just comes out and just start beating women or animal or whatever. There is a hope. There are, there are some resources I just shared in my, um, I think in my group, there's a group of men who try to stop that cycle. And until, you know, women can rise up and do all these things, but as long as those men who abuse exist, it won't stop.
0: I think it's the same thing though behavior comes from beliefs and yes our subconscious programming and the main thing to do is to understand get to the point where we can uh yeah. the subconscious is not is not negative is not and 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 the other thing is listening to that voice in your head that voice in your head can either be it takes both sides Yes. I was just just talking uh, yesterday with uh, the uh, Stephanie Davis, who's the Enneagram expert. And um, we're talking about how the in Michael Singer's book, the the untethered soul, he talks about the voice in your head. That's really your roommate. And, you know, the roommate in your head takes both sides It's like, oh, you you really fucked up. Oh, you're really amazing. And Mm -hmm. back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so, you know, at the end of the day, that voice is not who we are. And once we realize that we are not the voice, yeah. that we are the observer of the voice, then we can really understand our identity a lot more. Yeah. And start to start to make some changes. So
1: mm-hmm. And well, but you want to be there. You want to be, you know, there are people who said, yeah, that's who I am, and I don't want to change, you know. And there are people like that. And then I'm sorry, you can't really, you can't do anything about that. you know but it's still our We. I feel like it's our duty to really share that yeah there is a hope there there's a a place where you want to be you know peace and there only joy exists (laughs) that's where we want to be then you need to start I mean we ourselves we can only change ourselves so you know we can elevate our consciousness that as, as, um, health says, you know, yeah. that's, uh, that's what, um, I think we should do. I, exactly. I feel like that's our duty to do that.
0: So where can people find you?
1: So I actually hang out on Facebook a lot. Okay. So Facebook, the rise up woman, and I do have a group, uh, rise up, rise up woman. And it's called. I actually call it the Rise Up Women Movement. So it is a movement, like menopause movement. Yeah. I want to have this movement to women collectively come together and rise up together. So that's our.
0: That's great. Well, Mickey, thanks so much for for sharing your story with us today. Thank you so uh, much for having me. I'm going to invite the ladies to and anyone who's who's watching or listening to send an email. To me, Dr. Gordon, Dr. Gordon at menopausemovement.com. And let me know your thoughts on yes. this interview with Mickey. And if you have any questions for her, uh, if there's enough of them, I'll bring her back and ask the questions. So, okay. Mickey, thanks so much. And, Thank you uh, so much. Did you know that menopause is not a medical condition? Most doctors don't know this either. I like to say that menopause is the privilege of a long life. And to really take hold of our lives in menopause, We have to unlearn what society and the medical establishment has told us about menopause. Thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement.